0: Surprisingly, I believe, waiting for your next mistake. I put in work and watch my status escalate. Welcome the into the punt and pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, and I am so glad to be joined by my co-host, Aaron Murray, on the Punt and Pass pandemic podcast. That's right, we're still stuck in quarantine, so the quarantine chronicles will continue. Be sure to follow us on social media. At Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Drew Butler and Aaron is at Aaron Murray 11. My main man is back in Atlanta. We've got a lot to touch on, Murray. It's Monday. Uh, the weather's beautiful outside. We still can't go outside. Uh, we're, we're continuing to live in this self isolation, social distancing period. Hopefully that. Begins to calm down pretty soon. But a lot's happened since we last talked to you. You were on the Quarantine Chronicles a couple weeks ago. You were still living down in Tampa with your beautiful pregnant wife, Sharon. And the XFL is now done. The NFL draft is happening later this week. We're going to talk about that. And you and I both watched the two-episode premiere of the Michael Jordan documentary last night called The Last Dance. So um, first things first. How are you? You're back in Atlanta and uh, no more XFL, which we did not think was going to happen last time we talked.
1: I mean, crazy that the whole XFL going into, into bankruptcy just kind out of came out of nowhere. I mean, we all felt when the league kind of ended for this season, you know, it, it was said and we talked about this, that, you know, we're not going to put a temporary pause on this. That this is the conclusion of the two, our 2020 season. And, and we're like, you know, it'll be back in 2021. Yeah, was all the talks, you know, this was great. The people at ESPN, the people at Fox, the numbers were tremendous. They're getting viewers. People are showing up to the games. It was a lot of fun, and we're like, man, this thing is this this thing has some momentum. This is going to be something that's going to be around at least three, four, five, maybe more years, and an alternative for something for for people to watch in the spring. And then boom, all of a sudden, funding pulled. Vince McMahon said no mas, and it's still a lot of questions though because we're not sure exactly what all the reasoning was behind it. I know Mm -hmm. there's been talks about the WWE has been struggling for the past year. I know they've been losing a ton of money. Their stock has gone down. I'm sure that doesn't help either. But going back a year ago, Vince came out and said, all right, I, I have X amount of money to spend. I have $300 million to spend. If I lose it, I lose it. I plan on losing it. I plan on losing more of that. I don't care. I got money to blow he never even made it to that $300 million yeah. before he called it quits and said, you know, we're going to file for bankruptcy. So it, it, it stunk. Like I said, it, it, it was, it's unfortunate for a bunch of players, especially young guys and especially young guys. You want to think about this year, because it's going to be so kooky with the NFL draft coming yeah. up this week. A lot of players who didn't get to go to the combine, who didn't get to have a pro day, didn't get to show these scouts what they can do because maybe they were from a small college. Maybe they were hurt for the majority of their career and played a little bit in their senior year, showed some potential, but not enough maybe to draft right away or maybe not enough to put on a practice squad. those guys are going to miss out on this opportunity to play in this league, yeah. to gain some traction, to maybe get on a team in the 2021 season in the NFL. So it hurts everyone. It Like I said, it stinks, but you know, money talks, man, and and this whole coronavirus thing has definitely thrown some people for loops. And you know, they're going bankruptcy along with Neiman Marcus now today as well.
0: I didn't even see that yet. I mean, it really is just unprecedented what all's going on. Twenty two million people have filed for unemployment or have uh, lost their jobs since really the middle of March. That number is only going to continue to go up. It seems like the XFL certainly looked at the long distance outlook as to what's happening right now. Um, and then what's to come down the road. So it's super unfortunate because we talked to Sam Shortsteen, the director of football operations from the XFL, a good buddy of mine last week on the quarantine chronicles, and they were building something special. He was talking to really the momentum that was just happening, heading towards a playoff race, heading towards the first XFL championship game. And obviously none of that is happening, but they did pay all the players um, other than like, the AAF that you were involved in where people are still trying to chase down their money. But what, how did you find out? I mean, I know I texted you that day. I was like XFL dead. What, what just happened? How did you? I think,
1: I think maybe from you, honestly, I think (laughs) you were the first person to notify me that XFL was dead. And then, and then all of a sudden uh, actually my boss at CBS gave me a call and I just had a bunch of text messages like, Hey man, I'm so sorry about it. I'm like, you know, it was, it was once again, it was fun while it lasted. I had a great time. Uh, I got to learn a lot of good football. I think that's the one thing I'll take away from this at least uh, was the fact that I got to be around a great coaching staff that knew a ton about football. I mean, Mark Trestman, and I knew this heading into it, the man knows his X's and O's. He knows offense. He knows schemes. He knows personnel. He knows how to make people better and players better. And as I said, I learned a ton from him. Stuff that I can now take and use with you in the podcast, I can use with – uh, my TV career, my career in SiriusXM. So I'm I, taking that and, and expanding on it. So I, I really enjoyed my two months, and yeah, it was it was just a barrage of text messages from people saying, "Hey, I'm sorry about the whole thing." And you know, I even talked to him. I talked to my QB coach. Uh, I talked to my offensive coordinator. We were texting and, and got on a call with them as well. And yeah, they were just as shocked too, because when they left, when we all kind of left Tampa once the season was concluded, they all jumped on a call with Vince. Uh, with everyone in the front office from the XFL. And, and there was saying, okay, guys, this year's done. Here's the schedule. I mean, the coaches literally got a schedule for the rest of 2021 and they got the schedule for 20 or excuse me, 2020 and the rest of and and heading into 2021 about when's the draft going to be, you know, when the training camps are going to be, when's the season going to start again? I mean, they were literally given all this in preparation, and then three weeks later, boom, the carpet's pulled right underneath them, and, and the whole thing's canceled. So I'm sure they're hurting as well. I know a few of my coaches even moved down to Tampa, yeah, you know, sure. uprooted their families to move there. Now they got to figure out, okay, now do we move back to where we came from and kind of start over again?
0: Man, that really is just crazy. I mean it's, it's, it's easy not to think about those things, like coaches moving their entire families, trainers moving – Uh, these younger players moving because they signed a three-year contract and they're going to hopefully find a way to make it back to the NFL. But um, yeah, it it went down quickly. There was a lot of momentum around it, but no doubt that this had to do with the current pandemic. I mean, if this didn't happen, the XFL was certainly going to continue on past one season. What's next for Aaron Murray, I guess is my question. If another football league happens in the spring of 2021, is Aaron Murray going to be a quarterback for a team?
1: most likely not i think
0: <laughs> t- my body has said just enough's enough already so
1: you know right now for me it's it, we're not sure about this season is it going to happen or not i've talked to a lot of reporters i've yeah. talked to a lot of people at different universities and on um, different football teams and said you know what 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 do you feel what's the feelers out there and, and no one really knows no one has no idea if school's going to be online this fall if football's going to be going Is it going to be pushed to next February? I don't know. I'm not going to even try to predict it. I'm just going to sit back, prepare as if it's going to happen this fall. So that's kind of my mindset now is I'm preparing as football is going to happen in August and September. I'm getting my depth charts together right now. I'm breaking down the film. Uh, Currently, I'm breaking down all the SEC quarterbacks, making my notes on them. I'm going to get some videos out uh, at the end of this week and kind of get two or three quarterbacks per week, just kind of breaking it down for people just – just because I know there's so much craziness going on in the news, and for me, I, I was caught, honestly I was caught up. The first couple of weeks, I was listening to everything. I mean, I was wake up in the morning in my car, Sirius XM radio, listening to the news. I get home, turn on the TV, watch yeah. the news, and you can just get so depressed sometimes. And you know, I, I want I want to put some good you and I, you know, put some good content out, get people away from it, remind them that you know football will be here eventually, and we are hoping it is sooner rather than later. But it's just to continue to give them some ideas about the players coming back next year, the coaching staff, the team, the schemes, and and what they can look forward to once football's back.
0: So this is Aaron Murray, professional broadcaster. That, that's
1: professional, that. and and professional baby that's room right. designer. And okay. thanks to my boy Drew Butler okay. on the. Uh, the hot tip with the, the glider, yes, Got a nice little glider, You know, recline a little bit. Don't thank me. Do thank, some, ju-
0: thank my wife, Jackie. She does, Jackie she does the, the the baby nursery designing here in the Butler household. Well, um, we're fired up. I mean, I think that there will be football this fall. We remain positive and optimistic here on the Quarantine Chronicle, so you fit right in, obviously. And I think everybody's going to have some positive news to look forward to this week because the NFL draft is... Happening. You and I talked when you were on the Quarantine Chronicles a couple of weeks ago, how people were freaking out because free agency happened on time and the NFL came out and said, look, we're going to do the draft on time as well, but it will be virtually. So no Las Vegas. Everybody has to be inside their own homes. I think what I've read is that the NFL sent like 60 cameras to a couple of draft, 60 draft prospects, obviously, And they will have the feed ready to roll. I think if there's more than eight people in the camera shot, they will not air it on TV networks because they want to maintain social distancing practices. Um, And then news reports today, Adam Schefter even tweeted out that they did kind of their first mock virtual run through. And it glitched on the very first pick with the Cincinnati Bengals. So it'll be interesting to see. How this all plays out, again, virtually, supposedly Roger Goodell is going to be announcing every pick in the first round from his basement. Uh, I've seen a couple of GMs and coaches tweet out their setups. John Lynch, the GM of the 49ers, tweeted his out. I mean, it looks sick. He's got like nine computers and a couple of TV monitors. These guys will be ready to roll. What are your thoughts on the uh, NFL draft happening do you think it will go smoothly? Because I'll tell you right now, I do not. There will certainly be some hiccups no, on the technical side.
1: No, it, it won't go smoothly. But I don't think I don't think anyone's expecting it to. I think they just are, are appreciative to get kind of uh, some different content to get away from some of the craziest people in the world to sit back, just like last night. And we'll, well, you, you alluded to at the beginning of the show the Jordan documentary and the Bulls documentary last night. It was good just to sit down at night, not turn on the news, and hear about. The number of new cases, the number of deaths, the number of people being laid off and just for two hours, watch one of the greatest, yeah, if not greatest sports awesome. teams of all time, get after it behind the scenes. I think that's what this weekend's NFL going to be like for a bunch of people too a chance just to get away, whether it is super entertaining or not entertaining, or if there's glitches, whatever, it's just a good escape just for a little bit to get away from the craziness, watch some sports, see what's going on with the NFL draft. And uh, it, it just accept the fact that it's going to be different. I've accepted the fact I'm still going to watch it. I'm going to enjoy it, and I'm sure they'll do a great job, or as best as they can, I guess, to make sure that uh, they can they can bring every every draft pick to us uh, as as they come in.
0: No question, and a lot of our listeners will have lots to look forward to, especially with that first round, because Georgia has three projected players. Going in the first round, Andrew Thomas, DeAndre Swift, and Isaiah Wilson have really been anywhere on the board in the first round. Um, if we're gonna do what we usually do during the season, then maybe I can give out a wild prediction. Um, and and I'm looking at a certain number 11 jersey behind you, possibly a number 11 jersey that played for Georgia last year, sneaking in to the late part of the first round or the early part wow. of the second round. You um, think? I think there's a possibility there, but. Tell me this, um, quarterbacks are obviously talking the town right now. Joe Burrow expected to go number one overall to the Cincinnati Bengals. It's just crazy. I had Pat Dye Jr. on. We were talking about, uh, from an agent's perspective, how unique this pre-draft process has been. And he said this, Aaron. He's like, look, you're talking about guys like Joe Burrow, Chase Young, Tua obviously was injured. But they go to the combine and say, I'm not working out. Um, understandably so. Come to my pro day. We'll do it there. No pro days. So you're talking about Joe Burrow getting drafted number one overall. Chase Young getting drafted number two overall. Never had to run a 40. Never had to be put through a private workout. I mean, these things are unprecedented. So I am guess I'm asking you this. Quarterback-wise, out of the top four who are expected to go in the top 10 or 15 picks, who do you think has the best NFL career five, ten years from now? And the in the pick of the litter is obviously Joe Burrow, Tua Tungvaluwa, Justin Herbert, and then um, who would the fourth one Jordan be?
1: Jordan Love would probably Jordan be the fourth love, one. Or even maybe people, are love, yeah, people are in love with Jordan Love right now. I, I I don't see that at the moment. I mean, people were in love with him last season when they played, I believe it was LSU, and then people were like, oh, he's going to give LSU trouble. He went out there and threw a bunch of interceptions, and that's kind of what his season was about. A lot of turnovers, inaccurate, making mental mistakes, not going to the right receiver, trying to force balls in the tight windows, and that's something that is tough to – to kind of break out of a quarterback that takes years and years and years of practice that's not a good sign that's not someone who you want to risk a first round pick on I know he's you know a big quarterback 64 225 big strong arm but how many quarterbacks have we seen drafted in the first round year after year after year that fits that mold who end up being a bust because people want to take a chance on them yeah but you look at the college film it's not there these guys aren't capable and they haven't proven they can run offenses at an elite level. So to me, Jordan love is that guy that yes, he looks great in shorts, but unfortunately football is played 11, 11 with pads, with big dudes barreling down on you with tight windows in the NFL. And you need to make those type of throws. You can't just sit back in the pocket and launch go balls, post routes and corners. All, all all game majority of an offense is played. I don't care what level you're in. Passes are usually made within 10 yards. You take your shots every now and then you pick your spots wouldn't take those shots down the field, but it's dink and dunk. It's Omar routes, which are quick yeah. outs. It's slants. It's Z curls, little 12 back to 10. It's dig routes by the tight ends. It's short corners by the tight ends. It's in routes. I mean, these are the routes that win on a consistent basis. Jordan love did not prove to me that he could make those throws last year. I mean, the guy who I think is going to have the best career it, it's, it's iffy because of where he's going to be picked and going to Cincinnati. And we've seen Cincinnati not have success. I mean, it was last time Cincinnati made the playoffs. Yeah, it's been what since the nineties. No, Joe they Burrow made the, the by... playoffs a lot in like two thousand. I think they made two
0: thousand fifteen was the last time they made the playoffs. Did they really? Yeah, they went. They went to the playoffs like five years in a row under Marvin Lewis, but they never won a game. They were just like. Well, they were. Well, since.
1: last time they won a playoff game. Yeah. It's been for like twenty plus years. So, I, Joe Burrow to me is the the best when it comes to all the intangibles. When it comes to the height, the size. I know his hands aren't. Necessarily gigantic, which may hurt him a little bit down the road, especially in some cold weather games. But his accuracy, his footwork, him playing in an offensive system that I think will be very easy transition for transition wise for him to jump into that with the Cincinnati Bengals next year. I, you know, I've been a fan of him uh, for a long, long time, so I think Joe will definitely have the opportunity. I think Tua, in the right situation, if he's able to stay healthy has a chance to have a really good career. And I think Justin Herbert, too, as well, number three quarterback taken, who could possibly be the number two quarterback taken because he does check off every single box you want. 6'6", big, strong kid, giant arm. He's mobile. Um, He shows a lot of great stuff on film. I can see him, and I do believe he will be the second quarterback taken after Joe Burrow. I can see him being a a very successful quarterback. So I think those those three, uh, to me, are the ones that have a chance to be home run hits uh, in this NFL draft. But once again, it comes down to what situation are you put into? Are you asked to do a lot your rookie year on a bad football team? Um, and that kind of set you up for failure going forward.
0: All right. I want to talk about two. Tua Loa. I, I hear everything you're saying about the quarterbacks. I think it's a great class. Obviously, they're already getting compared to great quarterback classes of years past, but we don't know where these guys are going. People are saying, who is the second quarterback taken going to be? Will it be Tua Baloa? Will it be Justin Herbert? I think it's obviously extremely dependent on what teams do to move up in the draft. The Lions seem like they might be ready to get out of that third spot. My question to you is this, okay? You just said it. Tua Bailoa, can he stay healthy? I mean, short answer, no. The guy just broke his hip in November. That's not the only injury he's had. He's had knees. He's had ankles. He's had wrists. He's had thumbs. But here's the one thing that worries me most about Tua Tungabailoa, and I get it. The guy was phenomenal in college. Put up unprecedented numbers, set records left and right, won a national championship, won SEC championships. I understand. But Murray, tell me this. What's the last left-handed quarterback in the NFL who's had a lot of success?
1: Been a while. Been a long been a time. I mean, let's think about guys time. who have been
0: drafted recently. Yeah. Tim Tebow. Yeah. Okay. Want to play off Mike Vick
1: had some good success. but Mike, Mike Vick Dick's was one of the
0: greatest yes. left-handers of all time. More recently. Steve Young was. Matt his, Liner. I mean, obviously, I'm just you know, Matt yeah, Leiner did not have a pick. great career. He didn't have a great career. I mean, we're talking about left-handers of years past. It's, a small, stamp- it. a, it's a small sample
1: between. size, though. But I think there's There's not a lot of them.
0: I think there's a reason why. Okay, Michael Vick, Steve Young, Boomer and Mark Brunel. I mean, those are 90s and then early 2000s type quarterbacks who are left-handers who have had success. I mean, if you want to continue to talk about, well, there's a small sample size, yes, look at baseball. I mean, left-handed pitchers in baseball are extremely valuable because they have that differentiator. It's different in football. There's no question about it. Mike Vick had one of the strongest arms of all time, and he made it work because he was extremely elusive. He could run. He was one of the best, right? You watch the 30 for 30s. The guy is one of the greatest athletes to ever play football. Can Tua Lewis stay healthy? One, I'm not sure. And two, what will his left-handed throwing motion do in the NFL? I have my reservations. I really do have my reservations. But look what,
1: it, but look what they did in Alabama and running a very pro-style offense with some receivers that are going to be picked in the first and second round of the NFL draft. I mean, he had success playing in a system with receivers that are NFL receivers with offensive linemen, their NFL offensive linemen against some of the best competition in the country, in the sec and was one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback the past two or three years in college football. So I think he will be fine. He's accurate. He has great timing. He has great touch. He's able to extend the play. He's able to create on it with his legs. The biggest issue is just going to be staying healthy. That's it. To me, that is the one issue for Tua. Can he stay healthy because he's proven that he can play within any system because of what he played in Alabama. He can pre prove that he can play with the best of the best when it comes to throwing passes that are catchable for elite receivers, elite tight ends and elite running backs coming out of the backfield. And he proved that he can play against the best because he played in the sec against some of the best defenses in the country. So there's the the only question is injury. If Tua was not hurt, the past year yeah. or even the past couple, the past few years been banged up. I think there's no question in anyone's mind that he's a top five pick in the NFL For draft. Sure. For sure, injuries are scary. You're investing a lot of money into this. You're building your team around a potential top five, top ten pick. And it's not just the money. It's it's the fact that you're bringing in weapons around him that fit him. You're bringing in offensive linemen that fit what he's able to do. You're bringing in offensive coordinators and coaches that fit what he's able to do. You're putting everything on the back of this young quarterback. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's shown that he's has a chance to be hurt. And, and now you're going against guys that are even bigger. You're going against a game that's even faster, more physical. Uh, it definitely does worry some people. But that's why these guys have to do their homework on making the selection and make sure that they weigh the pros and cons and, and say, listen, if we, able, if we are able to keep him healthy, if, say, we have a great offensive line and some good receivers, and we're just missing the quarterback, if we can keep him upright, if we can figure out a way to scheme up the offense where the ball's out of his hands a little bit quicker, he's not taking the punishment, then we feel comfortable taking him inside the top 10. And, and, like I said, the talent-wise, talent-wise, it's there. It's the health that's going to be the issue and the big question mark going forward.
0: Yeah, a lot of people are speculating, Miami. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers, um, you know, Lions probably moving out of that three pick. I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see where he goes quickly. Who would you pick, Tua or Justin Herbert?
1: To me, I'm picking Justin Herbert. Me too. I, 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 I just think for me, is he a little inconsistent? Yes. But I just think watching him and watching what he's able to do and, and nothing taken away from Tua, um, and this is coming from a quarterback who's six foot over here, you look at Justin and his size and strength and the throws he's able to make, his ability to create outside the pocket, the success he had in college. Uh, he, he excites me watching him. I know he excites a bunch of scouts, too. And the fact that, too, he stayed healthy. You have a better confidence that you're more confident that he's going to be on the field come Sundays going out there and being able to compete.
0: All right, well, I said it before we started talking, really when we just began talking about the NFL draft. It's it's most likely three Georgia Bulldogs will be picked in the first round. DeAndre Swift, Andrew Thomas, who's got a great chance to maybe sneak into the top 10. He's certainly a top 15 pick. And Isaiah Wilson, who I'm seeing right here, projected to go late in the first round to the Seattle Seahawks. I said I would not be surprised if Jake Fromm snuck in to the end of the first round or if he goes early Friday, in the second round. And here's why I think this. One, going back to no pro day, I think Jake had a pretty decent combine from what I understand. And now you're starting to hear reports that he was extremely impressive on these Zoom meetings. Obviously, Jake's a very intelligent guy. One of his biggest strengths, Aaron, while at Georgia, was processing information, managing the game plan, getting from his read-throughs, and making sure that he could put the ball in the best place possible and put everybody in the best position possible pre-snap and then after the ball was snapped. But the reason I say this in the first round is, one, going back to him impressing teams, look, fresh mind, this kid was really impressive, look what he did at Georgia, three-year starter, won every single big game, was able to manage the games. These teams, 29th pick, 30th pick, and 31st pick. Tennessee Titans, okay? Ryan Tannehill is the starting quarterback. Jake would be a great backup for him. Ryan Tannehill is under the franchise tag, Look, I'm not saying Jake would be a starting quarterback in two or three years in the NFL, but having the ability to get somebody in with a similar set of skills. Obviously, Tannehill is a bit more elusive than Fromm is, but to have that safety net there and have a quarterback locked into a four-year contract on a rookie deal, that's huge. The 30th pick, Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers. I mean... Who better to learn from than Aaron Rodgers? I'm sure that would be a tough learning situation because I feel like Aaron Rodgers would probably not be the most, hey, dude, I got you, come learn under me type guy. But the Packers are loaded on the offensive side of the ball. I would not be surprised if how things happen in the first round. They're sitting there going, maybe we get a younger guy in, have him learn. And, again, I'm going back to having a quarterback on a four-year rookie deal. And then the 31st pick with another huge, talented roster – San Francisco 49ers, starting quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, that is a very close NFL comparison to where Jake could step in, learn, be that safety net, have a low contract. I'm just saying I wouldn't be shocked.
1: All right, go back to the first one, Tennessee, for you. Um, Tannehill actually signed a four-year deal worth $118 million, so he was oh, not he really? Yes. I Tannehill's, thought he franchised. So, okay, no, Tannehill's sure. locked up right now, so that's, that's yeah, awesome. that,
0: that, that, yeah, it's great really? for him
1: oh, making money. God. Our boy, Pat uh, Jr. signed that thing up real nice. Uh, the only issue that, that that I face when you're talking about the Green Bay Packers with Jake is the hand size. You know, a guy that's under nine-inch hands playing in cold weather, yeah. having to play in Green Bay, having to play um, in Chicago, and, and playing in that conference, is it's not. that's not good. I'm just going to be honest no, with you right now. Sure. Throw, throwing a cold ball it's with tough. small hands is not a good thing right now. I mean, that's one of those quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers have so much success, especially late in the season. I mean, he has some monster hands. It's like a baseball mitt. I think he's closer to that 10-inch range where Jake Fromm is under nine inches. So throw Green Bay out. Of, I would throw a lot of the Northern teams out of it that play outdoors. I mean, New England, the people talk about New England, Jake going to New England. I don't see that happening. I could see Jake going somewhere um, in the NFC in the NFC South. I see Jake going somewhere like Atlanta, I say Jake going somewhere like New Orleans, somewhere where it's a, it's an under center pro style offense based on the run game play action. I mean, you look at Atlanta Falcons and you look at the saints, what do they do? They play action. They run it. They play action, throw it over top. The quarterbacks have one, two, three reads, which Jake has proven that he is very capable of doing, get back in the pocket, figure out what's going on, throw the ball on time and accurately. I mean, he, he fits. I know everyone always compares shorter quarterbacks to Drew Brees, but that's the type of offense that Jake Fromm needs to be in. Plus he's indoors. He doesn't have to yeah. worry about weather. I'm telling you, it, it's crazy. Hand size is a big deal when it comes to playing quarterback in the NFL. These footballs are big. It's cold weather. It can be windy. And if you can't control accuracy in tight windows, of course, you are not going to have success in the NFL. And I think scouts realize that. And that's, that's part of the decision-making when they look at these these attributes of these quarterbacks.
0: No doubt. The senior bowl executive director has also said, quote, one guy that's really hot right now among quarterback coaches in the league that are all on these Zoom calls with these guys is Jake Fromm. From Georgia, He's as good from the neck up as anyone in this class, probably better. His eyes are as good or better than anyone in this class. He's won a ton of games. He's been durable. People are knocking him a little bit about arm talent and the physical stuff, but the same things were said about Drew Brees when he came out. End quote. You know, he's not equating Brees to Fromm, he says, but he says that Jake Fromm is a name to keep an eye out for, Someone sneaking into the end of the first round and taking him there. That would be awesome. If Georgia had four players in the first round, that would be fantastic. It'd be fun to watch, especially to see how it goes. Murray, let's wrap this thing up. Let's talk about The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan 10 part documentary that ESPN had been holding on to. And then look, no sports right now. The NBA playoffs were supposed to start last night, which is crazy to think of. They released the first two episodes. It documents the 1997-1998 Chicago Bulls season where Jerry Krause pretty much said, we're going for our sixth championship, and then after this, Phil Jackson won't be back. Scottie Pippen probably won't be back. We're blowing this whole thing up. I lived in Chicago at the time. I was a humongous Bulls fan. I was at the game in the United Center when Steve Kerr hit that shot at the top of the key that won them their fifth NBA championship. This is awesome. Michael Jordan is a freak of nature, a total stud. I'm locked in. I watched both episodes last night. What were your thoughts? I
1: I thought it was absolutely incredible. I mean, it was so much fun to watch. Um, Just how competitive he is, especially in that second episode, I believe, when they started the season off not playing so great. You saw him in practice just getting on dudes, man. And And there's so much you hear things all the time about, oh, Jordan's not a great person. He's not a nice guy, blah, 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 blah. The dude's a competitor, man. He's one of the greatest, if not the greatest competitor of all time. He will do whatever it takes to win. I thought we got a nice glimpse of that last night about he doesn't care, man. When you're on the court, whether it's a game or practice, he expects your best. he expects the best out of himself. He expects the best out of his coaches. He expects the best out of the trainers. And most importantly, he expects the best best out of his teammates. And that's what made him so great. That's what made the Bulls so great is because he brought the best out of everyone. So I thought that was really cool to see uh, just how competitive he was in every little thing in his life. Uh, And then just how much they just crushed Jerry.
0: It's so funny.
1: Just crushed everything. I mean, it it is – It was entertaining. It was really well done. Uh, I even love – I think it was Scottie Pippen's ex-wife sent a little tweet out last night like, don't feel too bad for Scottie. I think he's made over $100 million in his career Yeah, he made
0: more on the court than Jordan did, which is crazy to think of. But um, I've also seen some tweets too kind of obviously enjoying the documentary, enjoying what they've kind of painted for the next eight episodes. But people are saying it's easy to shit on Jerry Krause. There's no doubt. But let's not – lose sight of the genius that he had from an executive standpoint. I mean the trade that got them Scottie Pippen, mm-hmm. getting rid of a guy like Charles Oakley to bring in Bill Cartwright. I mean he made it happen around MJ, but that short man complex of wanting the credit, wanting to be as big of a superstar as Pippen as Jordan, and those guys just shoving him into a locker repeatedly. The best was when MJ said, are those the pills you are those your diet pills? Or are those the pills that are supposed to make you taller? Pretty much calling short or, or, and fat. Or, or, or before they
1: went out there for uh, for pregame warmups, that they if they're like, I think Jordan asked going to come out there in the layup line. I think yeah. Jerry said, "Yeah." He said, "Well, let me go tell them to lower the rim first. <laughs> I mean, that's Josh, so funny. Oh, it's
0: Jer- beautiful. The, the,
1: but I mean, I, I talked with Sharon. I talked to my my mom about this. I mean, you look at GMs, and, and there is a, a a negative picture painted of Jerry based on the show. But GMs have a tough role, man. I, oh, I, yeah. They are, they are constantly having to build for the future. They're constantly having to, every single day, make trades, negotiate contracts with players, with coaches, um, cut players, bring players in for tryouts. I mean, they are – it is completely nonstop for these guys. And and that's why a lot of GMs in, in, in every league, they really don't build a good relationship with the players. They don't want to.
0: Yeah, can't, can't they, get they, too not they Because yeah. they, they
1: don't want to feel attached. They want to be like, you are – this is your job. Go do it. And I'm the guy kind of pulling the strings behind the scenes, but I don't want to have that relationship where it makes my job difficult to have to trade you, to have to cut you, whatever it is, maybe not give you the contract that you think you deserve. I need to do my job. This is my job. I have to make sure this team's not only good this year, next year, but I have to make sure this team's good five, 10 years yeah. from now. If it's I a- want to keep my job, it's a, it's a tough gig. And and a lot of GMs get ridiculed. He's getting, Completely Just, butchered yeah, right now, but he's he has killed. a job to do, man. He has a
0: job to do. Yeah, he does have a job to do. It's crazy, and especially when you're looking at him blowing up the greatest team of all time, a team that had won five championships going for six. The players didn't want it to end. The fans didn't want it to end. But, you know, maybe Reinsdorf was the one that told him behind his closed doors, do your job. Don't get caught up too much into what's happening right now. We need to continue to look towards the future. I cannot wait to continue watching this. I'm sure everybody loved it as much as you and I did and I'm looking forward to the draft this weekend, Murray. Uh, we'll be live on social media at Punt and Pass. Aaron is at Aaron Murray 11 on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Drew Butler. Look out for some fresh content coming from both Aaron and I. And be sure to tune into Aaron's social as he had mentioned. He's got some cool breakdowns of some SEC quarterbacks coming out for everybody to get ready for college football. We missed out on spring football this past weekend, but Murray's got us covered. Punt and Pass has you covered. Also, the Quarantine Chronicles continue, Murray. My man, thanks so much for jumping back on whenever you want it. Your seat is always right there, bro.
1: I appreciate it, man. Take care. Stay safe.
0: All right. We'll talk to you next time. See you.